car about six months ago, and I heard somebody on the radio mention Christian hospitality. And I think God kind of just put it on my heart at that moment. I said, that would be a great topic to talk about. Uh, something that most of us practice. You know, we, we practice in one way or another. But what really surprised me about it when I started doing some research on it that in, in, in the Bible is that Christian hospitality is, is like really, really important in God's eyes. And it was like this, this kind of surprised me. So I, you know, as, as we go through this today, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to be skipping around the Bible. You guys can follow with me in the Bible if you want, or you can just listen because I will uh, read the scriptures. But uh, there is really a lot in it. Uh, in the in the Bible on Christian hospitality. Now I want to go back to 9/11/01, and I know that um, most of us can remember where we were uh, that morning when when that when that happened. Most of the focus from that day was on New York City and Washington because that's where the planes hit. But there was very little focus on what was going on around the world. Well, there was a place in Canada. Uh, the town was Gander, uh, and it uh, had a, a population of about 10,000 people. And just to get a frame of reference, Hyde Park has about 20,000 people. So it's a town about half the size of this town of Hyde Park. And... Uh, because all the planes were grounded immediately after the attacks on the Twin Towers, and Ganda had an airport, uh, Ganda wound up with 52 planes landing in their airport, which immediately doubled the size of their population. And, you know, so, you know, what do you do when 10,000 people land in your town and you have only 10,000 people in there. Well, I mean, unfortunately for the people on the planes, um, they sat on that plane the whole day and, and had to sleep there that night because there was nothing was ready for everything. And this probably went on other places, too. But we're going to focus on this, this right now. So the town got organized. And what they did was they got as many cots as they could. They set up. Places in the gymnasium in the school and all the churches and uh, any of the, the halls that they had, you know, where they had entertainments and stuff like that. Every place they could, they set up cots so that people would have a place to sleep because the word was that they were going to be there at least another two days before all those planes would be able to take off again. So uh, what they organized all the people that came off the plane. They made sure that families stayed together. You know, they didn't get split up. Uh, elderly people were put into private homes. And all the rest of the people were set up in areas where at least they would be with their families. And they were either in the high school gym or the high school auditorium or, or the Salvation Army building or whatever. Wherever they had, they had space. And people got together and they cooked meals in their homes and brought them to the high school. And they had a, one bakery in town, so the bakery stayed up 
stayed open 24-7 and just constantly making bread so that all these people would have plenty of food. Because you have to think, they weren't ready for 10,000 people. They weren't going to have food for 10,000 people either. So all the things that they could possibly do to make all the people on the plane on the, on the 52 planes comfortable, they were doing. They took them out on excursions. They, took the, they had a, a forest nearby, so they took them on walks in the forest. They, um, they got them on. They had boats uh, ready up on the shore, so they took them out for boat rides. And they just did everything they could to possibly you know, keep the people busy and, and comfortable and well-fed. And... This, to me, was a real sign of Christian hospitality. I don't know if the people there were Christian, because you don't hear that end of the story at all. But it's, it's just amazing that they were able to take all of these people and make them comfortable. And they really put themselves, you know, the town really just put themselves out for all of these people. It, it, was, it was received so well that... The day that they got back on the planes to finally take off, they decided to take up a collection and make a donation to the scholarship fund in the town for the high school students probably going into college. They collected $40,000 from the 52 planes, and that went into that scholarship fund. Uh, When we look at... um, uh, things like uh, Christian hospitality, a lot of times we don't look at it, we we look at it as kind of like an optional thing, you know, like, yeah, I'll do it, you know, if I feel like I'm I'm being led to do it or I'll do that if, if I do it. But God takes it actually more serious than that. And I'd like to take you into 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. So I'll just give you a second to get there. First Peter chapter four. Verse seven says, but the end of all things is at hand. So Peter's talking about the end times that this is, you know, the, the world is going to end soon. Now, I know in. This was 2,000 years ago, and we say, that doesn't really sound like soon, but in biblical terms, and and probably in comparison with the extent of eternity, we're talking about soon. So Peter's saying, we've got to get serious, because the end is coming very, very soon. So he says, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Okay? Then he says, verse 8, and above all things... Okay, so here's the the things that we need to be doing because the end is near. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Now, it amazes me that Peter says love one another and be hospitable because the end is coming. You know, it's showing, Peter is saying, this is a serious thing, and because the end is coming, and it's so serious that these are the things you need to be doing. You need to be loving one another, and you need to be hospitable. So that, that to me, shows this is serious. This is a serious thing, being hospitable. It's not one of those, you know, lovey-dovey things that uh, we can do if we, if we feel like doing it. 
I couldn't find a definition, obviously, of Christian hospitality. Because if you look in Webster's Dictionary, you'll find hospitality in there. All right. And it's kind of like being kind to others and stuff, but not Christian hospitalities. So I took the liberty of writing my own definition of it. And I, I wrote extending kindness to others out of love for Jesus at the expense of our time or our money or our talents or our home life without regard to our comforts and conveniences. So I'll go through that again. There's a a lot of words in there. And I put in ors and it could be and. You know, a lot of those things could be all all at one time. You know, you can... Hospitality could cost you your time and your money and, you know, and your talents, you know, all at the same time. But so it's extending kindness to others out of love for Jesus at the expense of our time or our money or our talents or our home life without regard to our own comforts and our own conveniences. Now, hospitality, a lot of times when we think of it, we think of it as our home, bringing people into our home, which actually it is most of the time. Remember, our home's a gift from God, and we should be using our home as God shows us how to use it, not necessarily, you know, what's as comfortable for us. But Christian hospitality extends out of the home life also. And I think the best example of that is in, the, in Scripture is the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan didn't, you know, when he found that person... Uh, that, that Jewish person on the side of the road, and he had to take care of that person. He didn't pick him up and take him to his house and, and take him. He couldn't. He was traveling at the time, and he took them to an inn, and he had the innkeeper take care of him. But he certainly fit the uh, ideal of uh, Christian hospitality. There was, there was no doubt about that. He put himself out, he, his own money, he spent his own money at the inn, told the innkeeper if there was any more expense that, at that time that he would pay for it. Okay, He spent time you know, getting him to the inn. I don't know where he was going and whether he was late where he was going to go at that point because we don't know. The, the scripture doesn't tell us that. So he gave his time and his money and, uh, and of course, the, the comforts and conveniences of being able to just continue on our trip. I know, you know, sometimes when you're in your car and you're, you're driving along and you're trying to get somewhere and you see people on the side of the road and they've broken down, they have a flat tire or something like that, you know, and you don't really want to stop. I know I'm going to be late if I, if I, if I stop there, you know, and, and help them out. And so you have to weigh that sometimes as to whether or not you're actually going to, you know, do that or, you know, be inconvenienced or just keep right on going, which is very easy to do. Christian hospitality is, uh, was very important back in the time of Jesus. Uh, traveling ministers like Paul and Jesus, they depended on hospitality of other people. And you'll see there were people that took Jesus in. There were people that took Paul in uh, while they were um, traveling around. I think of hospitality, hospitality a little bit like uh, evangelism. Uh, We're all called to be evangelists, but we all don't have the gifting to be an evangelist like Billy Graham. Okay, Um, if I got up and I took Billy Graham's last speech 
and I gave it somewhere, I would not get the same results that Billy Graham gets. He, is, he was a true evangelist, and when he spoke, thousands and thousands of people came to the Lord. I, I look at that as the same thing with hospitality. Okay? God does give a gifting of hospitality, but he also uh, gives a command for all Christians to be hospitable. Uh, if you turn to Romans, let's go to Romans 12.1 for a little while. This is a very familiar verse, and you hear it quoted in many, uh, many, many different sermons, many different aspects. 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So how do we do that? How do we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? Well, let's, let's go over. And uh, to verse uh, 9, uh, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now the things that you have to be, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Okay, these are commands. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. It's in that list of things, okay, that we need to do, that we're presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Because it's a command, and if we follow it, it brings uh, blessings. And I, I just want to share some of the blessings that we've had in, in our life. Patty and I have uh, had a lot of people that have stayed at our house for one reason or another. We had, a, um, we had taken in an exchange student at one time. It was at uh, my oldest two sons were in college at the time, so we had some extra room. And we took a, a girl in who was from Japan, and she was doing her senior year high school, and she came and uh, she stayed with us. My youngest son at the time was a junior in high school. So they became like brother and sister because she was, she was at our house for an entire year. She came in the summer, and she, uh, when she went back to November, it was after she graduated in, uh, around the 1st of July. So we had her probably about 11 months. And, uh, it, you know, we, we, you learn some things as you, you, know, you have somebody from a foreign country, and I think uh, my son learned some things. He, well, he learned what it was like to have a sister first because he had never had a sister. And after a couple of months, they were like brother and sister. I mean, fighting and arguing over the different things and being upset with each other. I still remember the very first day that she came. We, we brought her back to the house. We had to go to the airport and pick her up. And she came in. And she had learned English, of course, in Japan in school. So she didn't have all the correct words yet. You know, they just learned, like, various vocabulary and everything. And I was out in the backyard and I was out making hamburgers on the grill and she came running out and she says, oh, I see, Mike, you're out here burning the hamburgers. And I said, you never tell a chef that they're burning the hamburgers. I said, you meant cooking, you know, and but she had the wrong, you know, she had the wrong word. But um, we had really a lot of fun times with her, especially in the beginning as she was learning the language, because they learn 
like kind of like the King's English, and then they, they bring it back uh, with them. But like I said, it was a good experience for my children to see that. We also had um, at another time uh, when my kids were younger and they were all home, uh, there was a group uh, of singers that came from Holland and uh, they were they were actually my son's age and they came over they were wonderful singers it was a whole group but we 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 had about three or four of them uh, that stayed at our house and they were out playing soccer and they uh, they they actually um, kept in touch with my sons for quite some time after that they were writing letters back and forth but another great experience that you know our kids were able to have because of that we had um, Actors and actresses stay at our house when they used to have um, Christian plays at a church that we were uh, attending at the time. And the, uh, it's, it's kind of like if you went to Radio City Music Hall, and in Radio City Music Hall, after you saw the play, you were able to go backstage and talk to the actors and actresses. That's kind of like the experience that our kids had with them because they would come after the play was over and they would come back and stay at our house and our kids got to uh, associate with them. Okay, so it, it really is uh, some enjoyable things. We had a, uh, uh, with the Northern Dutchess Symphony Orchestra, we had a harmonica player come and stay with us at one time and uh, it was really a a blessing to get to know him he was from originally from China and he came in and uh, he actually brought these uh, like it was almost like a uh, plastic slipper that he would wear in the house as soon as he walked in the door he'd take off his shoes and put these slippers on and he'd wear them all around the house and they were throwaways when when he left us two days later they went into the garbage and uh, you know it's just it's that culture that you see com- coming across here but we had uh, some of the uh, Christian fellowship at uh, the same weekend decided that they were going to have a garage sale and they were looking for a place to have it. We offered our driveway. So they came and they set up this garage sale in our driveway. And the harmonica player wanted to know what we were doing. He, he didn't understand what a garage sale was, you know, and a yard sale. So we explained that to him. So he says, oh, good. He says, I can go out and practice my harmonica. So he went out and he was playing the harmonica for all the people that were coming to the garage sale. It was, it was, it was, so, it was just hilarious. And he was just having this grand old time out there with that. But uh, those are the things that we've seen. Okay, so let's take a look at the importance of hospitality. Let's go to the book of Timothy. And uh, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter, five, uh, no, chapter 3 first. And stay in Timothy because we're going to stay there for two scriptures. And 3 1, uh, just very quickly, this shows a uh, hospitality that you're not going to see necessarily uh, in, your, in your house. It could be, okay, but showing the importance of it. It says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, Bishop being also an elder, okay, uh, he desires a good work. And so what are some of the qualifications he has to have? A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable. Okay, so there it is again. It's, it's so important that in order for an elder to be an elder, a pastor to be a pastor, uh, they need to be hospitable. And slip over to, to, to chapter 5. And here they're talking about widows. 
It says, honor widows who are really widows. And again, honoring them by being hospitable to them. It's, it's just showing how important uh, that is. Um, go over to 1 John chapter 3 really quickly. We're going to show how hospitality does require uh, generosity. Uh, We're going to look at chapter 3, verse 17. Actually, we'll start back in 16. It says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's the hospitality reaching out like the Good Samaritan did. Okay, when you have a brother in need, you need to be um, out there helping them if if they if you can. Okay, there is a, a joy that comes in giving. And I know you've all experienced it because anytime you're giving to somebody else, okay, there's a, there's a joy that, that comes with that, that God gives you. All right. Uh, Deuteronomy, and you don't have to turn there, but Deuteronomy 15:11, if you're writing scriptures down, says, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Okay, again, it's it's offering uh, things out. It's being hospitable by offering uh, whatever the need is for for that person. We used to um, we had many times in our house uh, culinary Christian fellowship uh, ladies who uh, were in need in some way. Uh, we had some who needed a place to study or just needed a place to get away from the college. We had some who uh, needed uh, a night to stay a night in our house. Or, and we had some that needed uh, uh, a room for a couple of months or for a semester. And it was such a blessing for us to be able to do that. And now, I mean, we know... Uh, Ladies and, and, and men that, that are out in all parts of the United States ministering the word of God uh, in some way in whatever talents that they have. And it just blesses us uh, to be able to. it. I know we're going to send two more out from here very, very soon. You know, that we, we uh, look forward to always hearing back from, you know, what you guys are up to. Hospitality also uh, requires love. Matthew 22:39 tells us that to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Ephesians 4:32 tells us to be kind to one another. Hospitality uh, requires faithfulness. And if you go to 3 John, if you were in 1 John, you just have to slip a couple of pages. But here is the story of a man named Gaius. Because the, uh, verse 1 says, the elder to the beloved Gaius. And what is being commended here from John is that Gaius has been faithful in being hospitable. It says in verse 5, beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren. And for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. 
So I know that book is very, very short, but in there, they're showing the importance of, of, of that and the rewards that come with that. We're not to seek rewards as we look at it. Luke 14 tells us that. I know we're throwing, going around this Bible real quick, but Luke 14, verse 12, says, Then he also said to him, who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Why? Because they can't repay you. There's no reward. There's no reward here on earth for that. Will there be a reward? Yep. Okay. They'll say it's, added, it's a reward out of this world. Okay. It's going to be in the next life, but it won't be here because they can't pay you back. Good example of Old Testament hospitality is in the Old Testament, and we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 18. And this is the story of Abraham when actually the Lord appears to him, and I think it's the Lord with two angels. But it says, Then the Lord appeared to him, and him is Abraham, by the terebinth tree of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of, uh, in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, the three men were standing by him. When, and when he saw him, he ran from the tent to meet him and bowed himself to the ground. Not sure if Abraham knew that one of the men was the Lord at the time, right away. At a certain point in time, you can tell by the scriptures that he does, but I'm not sure if right away he knew. And he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight... Do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh your hearts, and that you may pass by. And as much as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. You know, in those days, they couldn't just go in the refrigerator and pick something out and pop it in the oven real quick. She had to make all the food from scratch. And Abraham ran to the herd, took its tender and good calf, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Christian hospitality. Okay, because it was not easy. This probably took the whole afternoon to do all this stuff to to make it for these uh, three people. Okay, so good example uh, for us. So, what can hospitality do? Most of the hospitality, um, and and when I talk about these, most of them is going to be hospitality that's done in your home. At first, it expresses the love of Christ. Okay, so anytime we're hospitable to someone, whether we're in our own house, inviting somebody in, or out on the road, we are expressing the love of Christ. It's, um, sometimes it's a disappointment for me when I am hospitable to someone, and I don't know how to get to the point to say that it's the love of Jesus that I'm trying to pour out on you, because sometimes that opportunity doesn't come. 
And I think sometimes we just have to let the Lord, you know, take care of that. Uh, Number two, it helps us to create a hunger for Christ in the hearts of non-believers. And again, it's, you know, trying to, you know, when you have people over that are non-believers, you always hope that the conversation comes up that you can try to talk to them a little bit about the Lord because you can't really force that. You don't want somebody thinking, oh, you just invited me here so you could talk about religion type thing, you know, because some people are sensitive to that and they don't want that. So there's always that balancing act that you have to do. But I think sometimes this is where prayer is required. If you have people coming to your house, good idea to pray before they come. Um, It's also a good idea to pray about what neighbors or what people you can invite for dinner uh, or for lunch, you know, into your home. Okay, also, uh, hospitality can bring blessings and rewards to you. And a good example of this is in 2 Kings chapter 4. So I'd like, uh, if you want to go there, you may. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 8. This is the story of the Sunamite woman. It says, uh, and, and, uh, and Elijah. So it says, now it happened one day that Elijah went to Sunam, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there, and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, Look. You have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is this to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son. And her husband is old. And it was kind of insulting back then. If you didn't have children, I think it was looked on that. There was something wrong with you or you sinned or something like that. And that's why you didn't have children. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come. On which Elijah had told her. Okay, so the reward that she received the son. The story does go on. I think at some point the son dies, and then Elijah brings the son back to life. It, it, I mean, it just it, go, it goes on. It's a, it's a great story. If you ever want to continue reading with that. Okay, next thing hospitality can do. It could deal with loneliness. I heard a preacher once say that if a pastor could find a cure for loneliness, the seats in his church would be overflowing. 
There are so many lonely people out there. We don't necessarily know who they are, but we can help with that if we're being hospitable. It's a cure for selfishness. You know, everything we have, to, we have to actually consider that everything we own is God's. It's not ours. But I think just according to human nature, you, you kind of forget those things. And, you know, you think of things as, as, being, as being yours. Okay. But if we can kind of get that frame of mind that everything is God's, would help to cure that selfishness and uh, uh, hospitality can be part of that. It can uh, deal with materialism. You know, uh, you ever see the, uh, I think it's the bumper sticker that says, uh, he who ties with the most toys wins. And they really should change that last word to loses because, I mean, that's materialism, just gathering lots of things, okay? And, uh, you know, this when we're dealing with having people over and spending money on other people and spending our time on other people, the materialism becomes less less important. Okay, next, it can help develop a deeper relationship with others. You know, when in church here we develop certain relationships, but it's very limited. On Sunday, we get to talk to each other for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and, and then we're, we're off. But, you know, when you have somebody over your house for a number of hours, and, and you have food involved, of course, you know, and you're sitting there eating and talking, you get really get to know each other. Uh, the relationships can get a lot deeper. And as we said before, it is a good example for our children. And since it is a command of God, it keeps us obedient. Okay? And just that side thought again, hospitality does not necessarily have to be only in your home. It can be done uh, outside. It's a way of saying to God, I love you. Okay? Because, remember, God talks about if you do it unto the least of my brethren, you do it to me. So if you're showing love to other people, you're showing love to God. And the last scripture I want to bring out is in Hebrews 13. And it's just Hebrews 13, 2. And again, it's another familiar scripture. It says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I was uh, taking my son back to college uh, up north in the middle of winter. Uh, he was up in uh, um, Sunni Potsdam. And uh, I was on my way back, and a friend of ours had a house that was about halfway in between Hyde Park and where I had to take my son. And she said, um, why don't you stop by and visit uh, when you come down my road, I'm the first driveway on the left. And she said that by accident because she was the second driveway on the left. And I pulled in to the first driveway on the left, which I thought was a driveway. But it happened to be more like a gully full of snow and ice. And my car just went right down into this, into this gully. So 
I realized, obviously, I was at the wrong house, so I walked next door to my friend, and she says, oh, you're so lucky, she said, because my son's here with a couple of his friends. They were all young adults. She says, at least I'll be able to go over and push you out. So we went over, uh, back over to the that what, what I thought was the driveway, and uh, we were trying to push the car out, and we were there 20 minutes, half hour, and we weren't getting anywhere. That car was just like nosedived in there. And I, I looked up, I didn't know what we were going to do. It was a Sunday. I had to go to work Monday morning. It was a Sunday, and it was getting late. It was getting dark. And I didn't even know if I'd be able to find a tow truck on a Sunday night, you know, at, at it was around 5 o'clock. And I, I just kind of looked up, and there was a, a pickup truck coming down the road, and he pulled right into, there was a, a driveway on the side that came up to where I was stuck, and he just, like he lived there, he came right into the driveway and up it up, and he said to me, uh, you guys need help? And I said, yeah, we're trying to get the truck out, you know, the car out in here, it's stuck in here. He happened to have this long rope in, in the back of his pickup truck, and he said, attach this rope to your car, I'm going to go up to the, t- to the top here where it's flat and where there's no snow so I have more traction. And he went up and, and we pushed and the car came right out, you know, uh, of it. And so I went up to him and I, I, I said, you know, I said, I'd like to offer you some money, you know, for stopping and helping. He said, no, no. He says, I have plenty of money. I don't need any money. He got in his car and drove away. And I thought later, I said, you know, he never stopped outside to see if we needed help. He just pulled right in the driveway like he was supposed to come there, you know. And it was like, I think that guy was an angel, <laughs> you know. And I'll never know. I probably won't know until I get to heaven, you know. But I just can't picture somebody doing that, you know, with, without asking, pulling right in and, and, and having all the equipment, getting this out and not accepting any money or anything and telling us he had enough. So. I don't know. Ever since then, I, you just never know, but we always have to be careful who we're entertaining and that we entertain people because strangers could, could be angels. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, that you have given us uh, your word and this command that we be hospitable. Lord, you know uh, in our hearts we want to bring many people to you. And Lord, we pray that uh, being hospitable would be one of the uh, fruits of that, Lord, that we would be able to bring others to you, bring others into your kingdom. And that as far as people are concerned, Lord, who we know and, and, and already know the Lord, we just, we just pray for those deeper relationships. Lord, we want them and we know that you want them. So we pray, Lord, that this will inspire us to uh, just do better at what you command. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.